Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Sharon Valenti, reading this from Sharon's perspective. Having spent years in ugly, violent, unhappy relationships, both intimate and friends, I came to eventually understand that I was the one carrying the baggage that kept attracting those relationships. Once I delved into and questioned my underlying beliefs about myself, I experienced a radical change. Now I show, not tell, others how how simple it is to make this change in their own life. They turn their unhappy relationships into ones that feel like chocolate for the soul. <laughs> Want to change your life so unhappy relationships turn into ones that feel like chocolate for the soul? You're about to learn how with my next guest, Sharon Valenti. She's going to be showing us how we can change our thoughts and our programming in order to create peace, health, freedom, and happiness. Here's Sharon. Okay, everybody. So today we have Sharon Valenti with us, and she is going to be talking about going from suffering to happiness. But she she has this phrase of uh, turning relationships into, so they feel like chocolate for the soul. And when I heard that, I was like, you know, I just know we're in for a great conversation. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you, Debbie. Of course. So of course, before we get uh, going with the, how do you actually create relationships that feel like chocolate for the soul? Um, let's talk about what, what came before that, that got the whole ball rolling. So can you share some uh, your story with us? Yes, I'll, I'll gloss over it quickly. So it, like for many, began in childhood. And my parents, they're the people that are supposed to protect, love, take care, etc. So one of them was a severe, severely abusive alcoholic, and the other one molested me. So total betrayal right from a young age. And like so many, I took on the belief that it was my fault, that I was a bad girl, that I wasn't good enough to be loved or, or anything. And when I did my own work on that, I even got to the point where I saw as that, as that eight-year-old that if I hadn't been born, my father would have never done that to me. So I really took on the, that. And then I went from a dominant alcoholic abusive mother right into a, an abusive relationship for 16 years. And, and he was like the culmination of mother, father, and then some. And, but that was all I knew. I that, well, and you know, that's, that's what I see so often. It's yeah. not that it's good. It's just that it's familiar. It's what, you know, it's like, oh, I know how to, I know how to do this. I know, I know my role in this type of experience. I know how to, you know, prevent this or cause this. And, and so it's, it's almost like safe only because it's familiar. Absolutely. And I became such a good people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I was constantly exhausted from that role. Didn't realize the why I was doing it. And of course, that's because I wanted people to love, like, et cetera, and give me attention. That's why people become their illnesses, as a matter of fact. It might be the only way they ever get attention in their lives, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So fast forward in one argument with that heinous individual in my life, I had the mental thought, can I take five more years of this, this abuse at every level? And the quick answer came, no. So 
from that moment, I waited until he was out of the house every day and I began plotting and putting stuff together to be able to move out with my two children and my mother. And, and I just, uh, before we, we race onto that, I, I just, there are people in this situation right this very moment and, and uh, you know, and listeners and viewers of the show. So tell me what was, what led to that moment of can I, that, uh, where you raised that question, can I take this for five minutes more? Because, you know, think about it. You were, you were tolerating it all that time. You knew it wasn't good. It just was familiar. And what made it like that was the moment? Did something happen? Again, this argument is in my face, backing me up against the wall. And that, I mean, the trembling, the physical trembling when that was going on. My kids constantly seeing that. And earlier, prior to that moment, I had no self-worth. I didn't love myself. I didn't believe I, I believed I was brainwashed. I believed I was ugly. Nobody would want me. I couldn't make it on my own. He was my total provider. And the irony was I owned two businesses at the time that I ran and made the money from that he took all the claim for, but I couldn't see that at that moment. And whatever that moment in time, again, being backed up, I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm so exhausted. My body physically hurt from the constant pounding, physical pounding. And I was afraid. I didn't know where to go exactly. Um, in that moment, I started looking for an apartment. Uh, let me back up. Even before that, I had left him and we got back together again and people were like, are you insane? And yes, I was actually sicker than he was at that time. Um, emotionally, mentally, because mm -hmm. that's all I knew. Again, I believed it was my fault. So that first time I left, I didn't know anything about domestic crisis shelters. So I actually called a convent and I said, Could my children and I, they're like, oh, you know, domestic violence shelters. I was like, what's that? Mm -hmm. So I contacted them and they came right away and got us and took us there. And then fast forward, I moved out to Pennsylvania and he tracked me down there and we got back together. And he'd said all those things that I had wanted to hear. Oh, you always say there's plenty of fish in, in the ocean, but how many are goldfish? And it was like, oh, finally hearing all the endearments that I waited so long to hear is what drew me back in. It was and, whole I, and, and I want to stop you right there because, you know, when you think of a, like classic gaslighting, yes. that's exactly what this is. It's, you know, separating you from, from anybody from the outside, having you believe you're, you're, you know, that's the, that person is the best thing you could hope for. So you better just be grateful for it, making you believe that it's you and, and all these negative things about you. And then the love bombing, you know, what to, to get you back. I mean, this is so it's, it's like textbook. Yep. It it's definitely textbook, that whole cycle of abuse going on. Yeah. And I didn't know a lot about any of this at that time, other than get in the domestic crisis shelter. They got me a job and then I headed out to Pennsylvania where my father was. To your point, I had no friends. I lived, we were living in Las Vegas. I had no friends. I didn't know anybody outside of the business environment. And, and I didn't know any differently in a way. It just, it was just how life was. And of course, mm -hmm. today you can look back and think, oh my God, how could I have ever been like that? And yet I was. 
I even enrolled in the local college was offering a an offsite course for developing self-confidence and I thought oh, that's what I need so I, sh I rolled I showed up at the their little mobile trailer and I was the only one that showed up so they canceled the course and I was uh. like, oh that's my luck Murphy's law so I was living in that victim mindset totally victim mindset oh woe is me look nobody else came to class I didn't quit though I kept on kept on then that last and final moment came I thought I just I can't do this, I'm going to die. And strangle me, black me out, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of that in the violence, but it was the emotional, it was the verbal abuse yeah. that was the most crippling really, because I had already heard that as a child as so many of us do from my mother and the continuum in this man. And I just, I can't, I need, I need to just get away from this. So I did and little by little, between reading, I'm an avid reader, love, and if I pick up one thing out of each book I read, self-help books, pick up one thing and apply it. Mm -hmm. And I used to walk and I'd say, oh, please bring me peaceful, peace, peace of mind, peace of mind, peace of mm -hmm. mind. And one thing led to another, friend the universe, things came across my path that actually helped me get to the point of where I am today, peaceful thoughts. And I understand now, it was simply, I was writing the stories. I was writing all of the stories. Mm -hmm. It wasn't his fault. And I'm not a believer in forgiveness simply because, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit more. And before you know it, and Sharon, I want to stop you because I know I always try to get into the, the minds of my listeners, viewers, and they're thinking, okay, well, you know, you took a nugget here and a nugget there. Was there... Was there a particular book or a particular nugget where that really uh, it made sense to you? Yes. So I started, uh, did a lot of courses, attended a lot of things. One thing that really helped was the work of Byron Katie. The work. And okay. yeah, you know, and I, I went through, I did like a, what were those planes that, like a Concorde plane, I, I sped through to become certified, not because I wanted to become certified, because that was how I could get the maximum out of it. And there's hundreds and hundreds of her videos on YouTube. And it was the actual learning, and this is what I teach and pull this into my work as well, is question what you're believing. Now, to be able to pull those to, to dig out all those underlying beliefs that have literally been running our lives. I mean, this is why we attract these kind of people. This is why the uh, child in the, in the playground attracts the bully. It's an energetic field that we're giving off. So- And can um, you explain what, a little more about Byron Katie's work for those yeah. who aren't familiar? And it's called The Work, but yes. can, you, can you explain a little more about what it is? It is called The Work. And what it is is, you find a situation that that a thought that you've been thinking for maybe just a week or years and years and years that you can't seem to let go of for me it was there were a few actually one was my mother said i would never amount to anything and after doing inquiry on that and finding out was it true I realized though that I'd spent a good portion of my life trying to prove her right. And so self-sabotaging, self-sabotaging, self-sabotaging until 
I started questioning that. And it, things came up about me not believing I was worthy, good enough. It's always a form of good, not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it was a question, can I absolutely know it's true that I would not ever amount to anything? And if, you th if I think about it, think about it, think about it, it's like, no, I cannot find one good reason I'm already somebody, you know, and, and I can be whatever I want to be kind of thing. And then you, you begin to see how it, you're doing this to yourself. And it's so easy to point the finger at somebody else. Oh, my mother, my mother, you know, I'm this way because of my mother. How many years are we going to keep blaming somebody else? So at what point? Do you take responsibility for your own life? It's, that, it's, that situation happened one time. I replayed it millions of times. We all do. We all do until you learn to question the thought. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about finding the truth of any situation. And it's not about making you feel better either. You're simply a truth seeker. And in that, you, you find out that all those beliefs are not true. And it's such a, you don't have to do anything more than that. It's a freeing, ex, it's a freeing experience. And, yeah, it, and, and what I love is just questioning your thoughts. That's the whole idea. We just think, okay, well, this is how I'm programmed. And this is, this is just it. We don't even think we're programmed, but we are. So the yeah. idea is if you've already been programmed and those, that programming doesn't serve, let's take a look at it and program yourself with thoughts that actually take you, you know, somewhere, somewhere so much better. So it sounds like Byron Katie, uh, her work really, really helped, uh, you unravel and, and take a look at some of these beliefs that were really holding you back. What did it lead to? What happened next? So I worked with a lot of people during the, the time that I was doing this studying. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And the common denominator is always the person. Mm -hmm. It's always the person. It doesn't matter. So that if, if I'm the problem, then I'm also the solution, right? If I'm the problem, I'm also the solution. I'm the, you know, it's not your job, Debbie, to love me, like me, take care of me, support me. That's my job. And for years looking outside of ourselves, putting that burden on someone else to make me happy, they can't possibly know exactly what it takes to make me happy. My husband, I have a joke going on. He's like, I just want to make you happy. And I'm like, you can't, you know, and it's, but it's, it's the truth, really. It is the truth. If I'm happy, he could maybe take it to ecstatic because I'm, we're already at that same level, but he himself, and also this, um, not to sound cold or anything, there's nothing he has that I want or need that I can't give to myself. Mm -hmm. And that was a big learning point. And earlier when I was talking about the people pleasing, I am whoever you say I am and you are whoever I say you are. So I was able to stop my Cirque du Soleil act and I just realized I have no influence really what somebody perceives I am. And it's and that, that thing, what you think of me is none of my business. That's right. I, and you know, that could change. Have you ever befriended somebody and you hit it off and it's great? And five years later, they do something that irks you and that's it. The friendship's done. That person has not changed. Only our perception changed, mm -hmm. right? 
So it's a bit like that in these betrayal situations. I was able to look back and look at my what my father did and find absolute compassion. I could, I understood we are at any given moment doing the best we can. Now in that moment, that's the best we could do. A moment later, we might have severe regret. Again, though, in that mindset of that moment, that's the best we could do. And so I, rather than forgive, because for me, when I forgive, in the back of my mind, I'm still holding that person like you've done something wrong, but I'm going to forgive you. And in order for me to experience freedom, I, I'd rather accept you are a child molester. And that was really hard to say that about my father. You're a child molester. I don't like it. I don't condone it. But I accept that's what you are. Mother, you are a raving lunatic alcoholic. And it cost me a bit of my life here until I found my way. Mm -hmm. And I accept you were doing the best you could, but in my mind, through some of the exercises, when I was able to look at her face in a particular situation, I noticed what she was wearing, I noticed her eyes, I noticed her face, and I saw how badly she was hurting inside and her own pain and suffering misdirected at me, but I could accept that's who you are. Nothing to forgive because knowing that they were doing their best, mm -hmm. I can't, there's, I have no expectations anymore, only of myself. And even then, not so much. They're my expectations. I can't expect you to fulfill them. You have your own. And again, who's It's business? really taking ownership, taking ownership of you, which is the only person you can control. Uh, and then uh, did you, when you, when you accepted what your, your parents, you know, the, the role they had played, did you, did it feel like a release? Did it feel like a letting go, uh, a surrender? I, what did it my, feel like? My shoulders, my whole body relaxed. The tension the, of reliving it for a moment, everything relaxed and it was gone. It was done. It was the event that had stayed in the back of my mind for years and years and years was gone. No dwelling on it. My, my son just, there's another thing to share here too. A very freeing, a very free thought and words are, how do I know it should have been that way? Because it was. Now, if I argue with that, I am arguing against reality. Who's suffering in that case? I am. The other person's not suffering. My son passed away six years ago. And what got me through that day was that litany. How do I know he should be dead? Because he is. That doesn't mean I didn't feel sad and I don't miss him and I mourned him. I just didn't argue with the fact. I wasn't like, oh my God, he shouldn't have died now. He's too young. Da, da, da. I just accepted this is his time. This is what happened. Let's move on. Same with mother, father. How do I know it should have been that way? Because it was. However, because of my own ability to find the peace within me about it mm -hmm. through the acceptance, I helped myself tremendously. I no longer pushed, oh, you should have loved me, mother. You should have adored me, taking care of your little girl. Da, da, da. All that victim mindset was gone, 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 gone. And, and with that acceptance, it sounds like there was 
a grieving process that happened with the acceptance of your parents. You know, it's like you're grieving the the relationship you wanted and didn't have. You know, and then and then with your son, uh, the acceptance did that help you with with the grieving as well? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I obviously I cried, and I mean, what parent wouldn't? You know, this is your child, but it it lessened it if if that's if that's a right way to say it. It's I wasn't arguing with myself or reality, and that's the biggest biggest difference is. When we say it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, we are arguing against reality. Mm. If you say to yourself, I mean, anything that happens in our life, how do I know it should have happened? Because it did. And you can't undo that. It's already in the past. It's happened. Get over it. And now focus on right now, how you want your life to be and move into that future. Because to stay in that past doesn't help anyone. It certainly wouldn't have helped me. And it helped me move through that process. And again, everybody's belief system is different. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm simply saying what worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, I have a strong belief that my son is always around me. And certainly a knowingness that we'll see each other again. It's, you know, when I leave this physical form. So there, and, and not having a fear of death either. It, uh, that helped as well. The, the, the biggest thing, Debbie, is don't argue with reality. You, we, we create the stories around everything and cause our own suffering. I could say to you, oh, I see you were in a V-neck top today. And mm -hmm. that's it. That's all I said. Your mind could be like, I knew I should have worn a different color. I knew I should have worn that, whatever this neckline is. Da, 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 da. All I said was, I see you're wearing a V-neck t-shirt today. It's the meaning we make of it. Let's talk about the different, the, the three different types of business. So there's your business, of course. There's my business. And there's the divine's business. And let me give an example here. The only time we can ever suffer is when we're in somebody else's business. I know people sometimes want to argue against that. Oh, well, but they're my child. They're my husband. They're my spouse, whatever, whatever. No, that's their business. When we stay in our own business, have we ever been out shopping and somebody is walking towards you and you eyeball their outfit and you think, oh, what were they thinking when they put that on? Whose business is it? You know, my husband says, we don't go people watching. We go people judging in the malls. And we do if we're not mindful. It's their business what they wear, right? It's even our kids at a certain age, in the teen years, that resistance as a parent you still want to control. But really, whose business is it what they do in their life at that point? They're entitled to their own journey. You've got to be able to back off and let them live life. We give our opinion to others continually. We're totally in their business. We give unasked for advice. It's their business. Unless somebody asks you specifically for input, stay out of it. Just be a listener, an observer. And if there's a tsunami that happens in somewhere, I have no control over that. Mm -hmm. And that's the divine's business. But if I get on my high horse, oh, that tsunami, you know, we have to do something about the global warming, da, 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 da. Again, that's the divine's business. 
there's enough geologists that have said we've had what's going on today with the earth has happened before, before the ice age and so on and so forth. This, we are perhaps, I don't know, contributing to it. Now, I don't know, unless I'm physically there seeing it, I don't even know if you're real at the moment because we're on a screen here. Unless I physically witness it with my own eyes, I cannot know absolutely that it's true, right? But a, good, a good call just to, um, just a good reminder, just to, to just stop judging and just really take control over the only things we can control, which is us. Sharon, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? So I, the biggest takeaway and a challenge for everybody would be the next time you get irritated or triggered by somebody or something, just first and foremost, so whose business am I in? And don't justify why you're in somebody else's business. There's no reason for us to be. So first check in whose business are you in? And secondly, sit with it and find out what were you just believing about yourself? I promise you there's an underlying belief. It's uh, I'm superior, inferior. It's always some form of not enoughness. I'm smarter than they are. They're smarter than me. They're taller than me, skinnier than me, whatever, whatever, whatever. But you have an underlying belief about yourself. And that's what the trigger was, that whatever triggered that. And as you become aware of those things, generally when a belief comes up to be looked at, it will go like that, mm -hmm. unless there's something underneath that. So it's nothing short of miraculous, actually. That is, it's pretty amazing. And so Sharon, where do we go to learn more about you and the great work? <laughs> Sorry. You can go out to www.isittrue.com. Very simple. Is it true? And while you're out there, get your free copy of Relationship Restoration ebook. It's got some wonderful tips in there that will keep things first and foremost in your mind in the right place. Uh, well, thank you, Sharon. Thank you so much. You know, this was just a great reminder of, of whose business is it anyway, control what we can and use our past to create an amazing future instead of getting stuck in it. So I want to thank you so much for your time, for your thank attention. You. You. And I know our listeners and viewers got so much out of what you shared. Good. I appreciate it very much. I loved Sharon's approach to healing from the trauma she's experienced and the beliefs that need to change so she could heal. Stay in touch with Sharon by going to isittrue.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. As Sharon said, don't argue with reality. And if I'm the problem, I'm also the solution. It's so incredibly empowering to take control over the things we can control and let go of the rest. Also, by not arguing with reality, you can spend your precious energy where it's better served, and that's on you and your healing. Speaking of healing, if you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see what needs cleaning up. You can find that at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And like the show, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends about it. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.